Love that line at the beginning of that psalm, I have an answer for my enemies. We don't, and sometimes it's, it's difficult for us to get around the language of enemies. We don't really think of the issues that we have to deal with in the context of enemies, but yet if we were to say and substitute in there for enemies, stressors, problems, I think it's still equally valid that we, in Christ, have an answer for those issues that we face. So... Um, a little bit of a, 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 a detour today because we're talking about uh, covenants, so I'm just going to ask uh, that these be handed around to everybody. I'm going to hold on to one of them if I could. I'm sure we're going to have enough. So, um, Yeah, start with the adults. So as this, these are going around, uh, I want to tell you guys a little bit of a story uh, about our church, because uh, this covenant is connected to, to kind of transformation in who we are and, and what we feel like we ought to be doing. So, um, so uh, this church began in 1913, believe it or not, and it was originally called Central Christian Church, and they met uh, on 97th Street and 111th uh, in the building that is right behind Tony's Pizzeria. Uh, so 1913, and we have the documents of the original formation of the church from 1913. And, uh, and God was faithful and people were faithful for a very long time. And then in 1963, uh, the church, roughly, the church moved from downtown Edmonton to what was then the outskirts of Edmonton, believe it or not, in 1963, for those of you, some of you were, a uh, couple of you were here. Uh, this was then the, the, the very boonies on the edge of Edmonton. And uh, the church renewed itself at that point in time in 1963 and, uh, and, and placed itself here. And then uh, I got, so, and again, people were faithful for an extremely long time, and God was faithful for an extremely long time, and, uh, and now the time has come for us to kind of reinvent ourselves again as part of that tradition. Once every 50 years or so, we, we do a reboot, and uh, this is, Covenant is part of our reboot. So we all voted on this as a congregation uh, in the spring, and... Uh, it has been approved by the government because that's the thing that has to happen now. But basically what that means is in light of a new constitution that we as a church adopted in the spring of this year, we have a new way of doing membership, and that's this covenant. Now, I've talked about this a lot. Some of you have heard me talk about it ad nauseum. You're bored with it, but I think it's worthwhile for us to talk about a lot, especially right at the beginning. So this is our new way of, of doing membership is the is a covenant document um so membership in a church is not the most biblical of concepts it just isn't uh the reality was in the new testament you were part of a church by being a christian living in a geographic area so if you were par if you lived in ephesus you were part of the church at ephesus there wasn't any idea or concept that you wouldn't be part of the church at ephesus there would be different gatherings of the church at Ephesus that would meet in different people's homes, but you could move freely in those, and, and you would be a part of the community. There was some evidence of, of written lists of people. They have the, the, the disciples talk about the, the roles of widows, uh, where, where they had a list of all of the people who would benefit from the, who were, who were cared for by the food uh, offerings of the church. 
Um, but that is a diff seems to be a different thing than membership. So membership is required for us by the Societies Act of Alberta. We have to have members, okay? And the way that, that our churches has had members for most of the last hundred years is that there were three ways to become members. You either became a member uh, through uh, baptism, so you would be baptized into the church, and at that point you became a member. Uh, you could come, become a member by transfer. You would uh, have your membership, uh, a letter from your, uh, if you moved here from another city, you would have a letter from your church, a church in your city saying, this person is a member in good standing of our church. They're moving to your city. They would, we, would, we would endorse them to become a member in good standing of your church. That was the second way. The third way was by public declaration in front of the uh, congregation. So one of the things that uh, our tradition holds very important is that uh, people's original baptism matters, and we accept and respect the, the original baptism of all churches. So we did not require people to get rebaptized, although that's, um, or we ought not to have, uh, in churches, as some churches do, in order to become a member here. You, become, you could become a member by declaring in front of the congregation your statement of faith and your intention to serve and work with this conversation, okay? So, so that's how membership has happened for a while. And there's good and bad things about that. One is the uh, one thing that's good is just the expectation that at baptism that that people become members of a church. What what's negative about that is that there's people just stay members of the church forever. And the reality is in our current in our current setup, people who move to another city never ask me to transfer their membership. It's just never happened in the entire seven years that I've been here. There's been one person uh, who asked me, but there was no record of them ever, be we couldn't find a record of them being a member here, so I didn't really have anything to transfer over. So, um, and so, the, uh, so, so that just becomes an issue that what is membership and what does it actually mean? And then who gets to say what our congregation does and, and how we ought to do it? So in order to make this membership meaningful and valuable and not just a, a perfunctory thing that we hoop that we jump through in order to keep the 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 covenant happy we've wanted to uh, adopt what's what, 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 uh, a biblical term which is a covenant now a covenant as uh, you've heard me talk about before this is in the document so this is how we're defining the word covenant together a covenant is a promise by which we obligate ourselves to one another in such a way that the obligation of one party is not dependent on the faithfulness of the other. This comes from Genesis chapter 15. In Genesis chapter 15, God binds himself to Abram and says to Abram, I will make your name great. I will make you a blessing. And they go through a ceremony where uh, there is a, uh, animals are cut in half, very traditional uh, Old Testament ceremony where animals were cut in half, they were placed on either side of a path, and then uh, they were to be walked through together. That was often what happened in uh, weddings in the ancient world, that you would cut animals in half as a sacrifice to the gods. The, the new husband and wife would walk together through the animal carcasses as a way of binding them together and demonstrating their commitment to, the, to, the, to, to each other. And to, and to life together. Now, what's interesting about this is, so God does all of that, all that that traditional stuff. He has them, he has them divide up all. He has them divide the animals. He has a, them make the path, 
And then uh, Abram falls into a deep sleep, and he has a vision where he sees he sees uh, torches or or f- balls of fire walk through the covenantal path alone as a signifier that God was saying, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to give you all these descendants. And that is not dependent on your actions. That is not dependent on Abram's faithfulness. And we see very quickly that Abraham, in the very next chapter, we see why this was so important, because in the very next chapter in Genesis 16, Abram was not faithful. Abram diverted from God's plan, but yet God was faithful to his part of the plan, okay? So this is really important because what this does is this allows us to commit to each other by saying we're going to abide by the rules even if you don't. That's an important thing. This isn't a a relationship of reciprocity. This isn't a a relationship of of transaction. Uh, We want to have relationships of reciprocity, but this isn't a transactional relationship where if you behave this way, we will behave this way towards you. We're committing that we, as a demonstration of our faithfulness to God, are going to behave well towards each other. Hopefully, we all do that together well and it works out well, but we're making that commitment regardless uh, of our individual capabilities. We're depending on the faithfulness of God. This, statement, this covenant includes a statement of faith, so just boundaries of what we believe, a commitment to biblical truth, the commitments of the church to its members, and the commitments of the covenant members to disciple church. Though the covenant does uh, define the relationship uh, between members in the local church, it is first and foremost a promise made to God as a commitment to his glory and his bride, the church. Um, this is really important to me uh, because... We live in an era and in a culture that is unique in 2,000 years of Christian history, where you can meet lots of Christians in the city of Edmonton who say, I follow Jesus, and then you say, what church are you a part of? What congregation are you a part of? And they say, none. And you say, excuse me? And they say, well, I feel that I can express my worship of God best on my own in my backyard on Sunday morning which is beautiful. I love your backyard on Sunday morning. That is a really valuable and good thing for you to do. And I do believe that a person can worship God alone in their backyard or mountain biking through the, the mountains or, or like canoeing or, or any uh, making pancakes. Those are all good and wonderful things to do. But that makes us unique in 2,000 years of human history, uh, of church history. Because at no point in any, uh, at, at no other point in Christian history would someone have ever said, I'm a Christian independent of any form of local congregation. Just wouldn't have existed. And the reality is that is completely and totally unhealthy for us to do as Christians. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you need to be a part of a local congregation. And it's just a local gathering, a local family. And I don't care what that looks like. That can look like mega churches like they have in the west side. That can look like house churches like are scattered all over the city of Edmonton. I'm not placing a boundary on what that thing ought to look like. But there need, you need to be a part of a group of people with whom you gather to seek the Lord. That, you're like, that you understand as an act of humility that I can't do this on my own. I need other people to do this with me. And this is an, a, an agreement that like I am choosing this family of people to walk through this uh, life together following Jesus. It's incredibly important for us. Now, some people would say, well, I don't need to do that. Me and Jesus are fine. I don't like being part of a congregation, which I understand completely. But if you're genuinely so awesome on your own without Jesus, please help. 
Like, we, we need you here. We can't have all, like, healthy, mature people who are doing great following Jesus on their own not be part of a congregation. That is, that is we need your help. And so that's what I would say to people that say that they don't need this. And what I would say to people who, who are concerned about the nature of churches and, and, and that is this a good church or is this a bad church, all churches are good and bad because all Christians are good and bad. And all churches are, are a gathering of Christians who have the humility to say, uh, we're not doing this well all the time and we desperately, desperately need each other. So... Our first commitment, and I want to be ultimately clear as we make this commitment to each other, our first and primary commitment is to Jesus. You commit to Jesus before you commit to Jesus' church. But as a consequence of a commitment to Jesus, you make a commitment to Jesus' church. And in making a commitment to Jesus' church, that manifests itself in a local way with real human beings around you all the time. That is the manifestation of that. I don't believe that you can be truly committed to Jesus without being committed to a local group of people, preferably a group of people who has at least one person in it who bothers you. That's really hard to love. And I, don't, and I, I know that, that that sounds flippant, but the reality is we need to be sure, if we are only ever surrounded by people who are, it is very easy for us to love, we don't necessarily get better at loving. And what I love about this congregation is the age spread and the background spread and, the, and, and we would like to become even more ethnically diverse because all of that is uh, what we are saying is more than all of the things that divide us. Age, gender, socioeconomic reality, background, stories of origin, all of those things that make us different are less important than, than the salvation that comes through Jesus binding us together, okay? That's why we're doing this. So this is our statement of faith. I don't need to go into this in detail. We've, there are, there's a full sermon on this online that you can do, and we're going to be doing this again in January. But basically, this is a very basic statement of faith about what we believe about Jesus and God. Uh, it is a... Uh, uh, kind of a, a mix of uh, currently existing creeds that exist in the world. It's a blend of the, the Apostles' Creed, the Romans, uh, Roman Creed, which is JB's favorite, and he advocates for the Roman Creed often, uh, and uh, quite rightly, uh, and uh, the Nicene Creed. So uh, this basically shows what, uh, demonstrates what we believe. So, uh, and, and the reason why, why this is important is because we want to have some sort of boundaries around who we are and what we believe. It's a dangerous thing that can happen in churches because uh, we're traditionally a non-creedal people. That means that we don't have a standardized, this is what we believe, or, a, or a, a catechism in that way. We did that for a very good reason. Everybody kind of, uh, because they felt that, that having boundaries in a creed created more division than it created unity. However, that was a couple hundred years ago where everybody was agreed on the basic tenets of Christian theology and that if you were a Christian, you believed in the basic things like God existed and Jesus was true and that the crucifixion mattered and that the resurrection really happened. Those were things that we agreed upon. Now we're in a culture where those aren't necessarily universally agreed upon and there's some people that would like to say that they don't matter and that and that, you, that as a church, what's really most important is us being together, pursuing the good, 
And the good is fine, but it's not as effective as when we connect ourselves to Jesus and have some boundaries. It's like, it's like uh, what has happened in some Christian churches is basically the equivalent of this, where let's imagine yesterday uh, my youngest son was playing in a soccer game. It was a great soccer game. Uh, uh, two goals, three, three assists for Isaac uh, in a 7-1 victory. So he had a good day. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> um, uh, And also hit the crossbar. So almost had the hat trick. But, uh, but so they're playing a soccer game, right? The rules of soccer are basically like you kick a ball and try and get it into a net. You're not allowed to touch it with your hands. That's great. His older brother plays basketball. Now, imagine if he was like, this game of soccer is great. I would really love to participate in your game of soccer. Um, I just want to make uh, one quick rule change. What if we moved it from outside to inside a gym? Sure. Okay. Still soccer. We're still kicking a ball around. We're still not using our hands. Now we're in a gym. What if his older brother who, play, who, was, who really enjoys basketball is like, this soccer game is great, guys. You know what would make it even better? What if we, like, could touch the ball with our hands sometimes. Like, you might say, okay, that's fine, I guess. And then, so this is, they're having a great soccer game where you can, like, hit the ball with your hand every once in a while and nobody freaks out. And then what if the basketball-loving older brother says, this game of soccer is great now that we can use our hands. I think that we should only use our hands, actually, guys. I think that we should only use our hands, and rather than getting the ball forward by kicking it, we should dribble the ball uh, in order to move it forward. You know, and, and okay, well, that, that's fine. This is a very unique soccer game, you know, where we're dribbling the ball and trying to throw it into a net. And then, and then, at, and then at the next stage, his older brother who loves basketball more than he loves soccer says, you know what we should do, guys, is get rid of these nets and just put a hoop up at the end of the walls and just try and shoot the ball into that. Well, at some point, we're not playing soccer anymore. We're now playing basketball, right? The game has changed. And basketball's a good game, and, and, but we gathered to play soccer, right? In the same way that the, these things can happen in Christian churches, where, where it's like we gather to, to worship Jesus, <laughs> born, died, resurrected, coming again. We worship God in his fullness. We, 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 follow, we understand that the Holy Spirit is working. And so other people are like, that's kind of great, but can we get rid of all the God stuff? Well, at some point, we're not church anymore, right? And, and communities that gather to just, like, do good for other people, that's awesome, but they don't tend to stick around that long. This church has been here for 100 years. A lot of churches have been in this city for 100 years. How many charitable organizations have been here for 100 years? One? Two? Three, they're way more fragile, and we do way more good when we bind ourselves to the boundaries that come from following Jesus. So this is why we have a statement of faith. Okay, so then we as individuals have a commitment to the church. So this includes me. I'm not exempt from this. I'm a, I'm a leader in this church, but, but I am also a covenant going to be, a covenant member in this church. So I am, all of the leadership is, is in the same way uh, uh, under these, these commitments as well. So, we commit, we cov I covenant to immerse myself in God's word and allow it to permeate all aspects of my life 
with its truth. Okay, so we're going to invest in studying the Bible. I will discipline myself to maintain a close relationship with the Lord Jesus. My relationship will be evident through my participation in communion, the church community, service, and a life that glorifies Jesus. Okay? Uh, I will joyfully and sacrificially steward the resources God has given me, including my time by participating regularly in worship services in the life of the church community, my talents by serving God's church and my neighbors with the gifts I have been given, and my treasure through regular financial giving. Okay, so these are, are I, I want us to be really clear that what this means and what it doesn't mean, that, that we're committing to this, but we're not going to be going to your house demanding that you read a certain amount of Bible verses a day, right? It's not going to be strict in the sense that, like, you have to memorize the book of James in this calendar year. Or you are no longer a covenant member. That's not what we're going to be doing together, okay? What we're, what we're trying to do is give ourselves a foundation for the things that we care about. We're not going to be coming to your door and taking attendance on a Sunday, and if you're not here two weeks in a row, like showing up and knocking on your door and being like, look, that uh, your attendance is down, you're no longer a covenant member. That's not the way this works, but we want to declare up front the things that we think are important, and that's being here with one another, being giving of what we have. And again, there is, this does say uh, financial giving, because Jesus said, where your treasure is, where your, there your heart is also. But we're not going to be coming and saying, like, so how much do you make every year? Let me see your 2018 tax return so that we can, uh, so that we can examine that. That's not what we're going to be doing together, okay? So, uh, okay. So, and there are some more expectations of... Covenant, no, oh yeah, 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 sorry. Uh, oh, uh, I covenant to submit to God through his Holy Spirit. I covenant to uh, allow others to speak into my life and to speak into the lives of my brothers and sisters in a godly and biblical way. Okay, so we're going to commit to walking and following Jesus together. And that means sometimes we're gonna have to say like, hey, I think you're walking a dangerous path, right? So we're gonna commit that if we see that our brother or sister has a dangerous uh, crystal meth addiction, that we're going to be like, hey, maybe the crystal meth is a bad thing for you, you know? If we see that our brother and sister is, uh, is behaving in a way that is dangerous to the people around them, we're going to talk to them about that, and we're going to do it gently in a biblical and committed way. I commit to resolve conflict where it arises with my fellow covenant members in a biblical manner that moves towards forgiveness and reconciliation. I commit to treat all of God's children which includes people who are a part of this church and not part of this church, with respect and grace, holding the tenets in essentials unity and non-essentials liberty and all things charity. I agree by God's grace to walk in holiness as an act of worship to Jesus Christ who has saved me from my sin, that I could live a new life. I will not have anything in my life that will interfere with my relationship with God or others or that will compromise my integrity. And when I sin, I agree to confess my sins to Christian brothers and sisters to seek help from them and to God, okay? So this is just the kind of life that we want to live together. We're already doing this, okay? We're just committing to doing it together a little bit better. This is our commitments to you as leadership, okay? So we covenant to study the scriptures and to, to lead, administer, and steward in a manner that is godly and God-honoring. We covenant to care for you and seek your growth as a disciple of Jesus, in part by equipping you for service, praying for you regularly, particularly when you are sick, 
We covenant to provide teaching and counsel from the whole of Scripture. We covenant to be on guard against false teachers and false teaching. Um, these are all like the duties of leadership that are re- required in Scripture. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time up here being like, this teacher's bad, this teacher's bad. I'm just going to try and teach you the Bible so that you're going to be able to, you're all smart enough to figure that out on your own and you, the Holy Spirit's working in you. We covenant to exercise. This is where it gets nervous for, for some people. Uh, if, you, if you're going to get nervous, you're going to get nervous in these two. We covenant, or, or in five, we covenant to exercise church discipline in a God-honoring manner when necessary, okay? So some of you have been a part of church discipline or have heard of church discipline, and it's gone badly. That's because I've never been part of a church where I've heard of it going well. But I'm just trying to be honest with that. We're, we're, we're notoriously bad at this as all churches. But where this comes from but where this comes from is, is, uh, is from Matthew 16, where, where Jesus says this, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. And if they listen to you, you have won them over, okay? So this demonstrates the rules of engagement when we wrong each other. Our first step should be to go to each other individually and talk it out. If we're not able to do that, then we take one or two other brothers and sisters along and, and, and allow our other brothers and sisters who are wise and we trust to kind of come together as intermediaries and say, how can we work this together so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses? If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a, a pagan or a tax collector. This sounds harsh. That somebody, after committed, repeated unwillingness to move on from sinful behavior in their lives, that we would treat them as a pagan and a tax collector. Uh, but how are we called to treat pagans and tax collectors? Yeah, we love them as we love ourselves. So one, the standards for our behavior are incredibly high. We don't just shove people to the street and stop loving them. We continue to love them, but also... The currency that we have with people who are in sin is, that, is that, that we are following Jesus together, and we believe that being part of a community is so valuable that it does cause people to change their behaviors and to remove themselves from dangerous paths. We want to do this well. And, and this is also governed by a spirit of gentleness that comes from Galatians chapter 6. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch, watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. It's incredibly important that when we're dealing with our own sin, that we're, when we're dealing with other people's sin, we do so with humility and with gentleness. And we don't forget that we also are sinners and have sin in our past that we have needed to repent from and need to repent from. And we also, uh, so so we come with a spirit of humility and gentleness, understanding that that, that we were lost once as well and that we are in danger of being lost and distracted and tempted in the future again. So this is our commitment to you, okay? And, And this is what we're trying to build together is a community where we take following Jesus seriously. We take following Jesus together seriously. We take following Jesus together for the benefit of the community seriously. And if we want to have transformation, and this is something that I believe completely and 100% uh, with 100% conviction, the best thing that we can do for the city of Edmonton is for us to be transformed individually and as a community. 
for us to be walking together towards Jesus, following him in a way that is transformational for us and as a community. That is the best witness that we can have for this city, and that is the way that we can give them our best. And I believe that if we're able to do that, and this covenant that you have here is a part of that, I believe it's going to, I believe it actually changes things. We live in a city that, that is lost. That's just, there's no two ways about it. And we can talk about degrees of lostness, but the reality is we, we, we live in a city where people are chasing things that don't satisfy, where people are, are, are pursuing things that ultimately destroy them, and where people are unfortunately destroying each other. And it seems to be getting worse. There's more and more voices getting louder and louder that are saying that, 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 are, that, are, that are trying to further divide us more than we already are, that are trying to fill people with fear, and that are trying to manipulate people into, into to spending their treasure on things that do not last. And, and we believe that we have good news. So the best way for us to share that good news is to walk together towards what God has called us, and we believe that this is a big part of it. So the mechanics of how this is, are going to work are a little bit com complicated because this is the first time that we're doing it. So this commitment is actually only for six weeks, roughly. Two, uh, eight, nine, ten. Ten weeks. This covenant is only good until January 31st, 2019. So you do get to try it on for a while, and if we do Christmas really badly, you can just, like, not re-up. Um, that's kind of the, you know, so no pressure on uh, making sure that the carols are done well, guys. Uh, but, uh, or, or, or that we've decorated well. Um, but because it's the first time we're doing it, and the re so we, there's a couple of things that we need to do. We need to have members for our AGM, which is next week. And we also need to have, uh, so, but, we're, but we want to do this well and properly in January. So we're, where we're going to do this again. So uh, the mechanics of this are that you've got this. We would like you to, to sign it at some point in time. And we'll be collecting them over by the, uh, over on our, on the, the, the counter, counters there in the fellowship hall. Um, these will need to be signed by both the covenant member and, uh, and an elder. So we're going to have those uh, names on there as well. So that's, uh, unfortunately, this sermon is a little bit businessy, but that's the way it had to go today. So all of this is the business manifestation of a spiritual reality where we are people who are bound together by Jesus' gift of salvation for us. And this gift of salvation uh, for us is no more or better symbolized than at this table, where we remember Christ's death until he comes again, where we remember that he, while we were yet sinners, died for us. That, that he, seeing us, went to the cross, despising its shame for the joy that was set before him for us, went to the cross despising its shame and has now sat down at the right hand of the Father. That, that, that Jesus endured this so that we could walk together well. So I would ask that as you come to this table, that you would be recommitting yourself to Jesus and recommitting yourself to Jesus through your brothers and your sister who are all, sisters who are also committing themselves to Jesus as well. Taking some time to think about what does this mean for me to be fully committed to Jesus and fully committed to my brothers and sisters knowing and following him as well. So let's take some time to pray in silence together.